0: Yeah, you're very welcome back. It's Joe Malloy here. Colin Parkinson's still here. 53106 is the text number. We're on Twitter at ball. Brian O'Driscoll has joined us. Hello. Hi. Um, watching much of the Masters yet as Jordan Spieth has gone to 14 under. Uh, haven't seen a whole lot, um,
1: but disappointed to hear that <laughs> on many levels. Obviously, I didn't back him, mm-hmm. um, but you, I need some excitement for the weekend. And yeah, Saturday, Sunday
0: Masters wouldn't be the same if it was a runaway no we're starting to flirt with that moment now he's six clear and going very well showing no signs of nerves for a guy who's 21 years old lots of time to think about what's going on
1: but he's in the mix every week over there that's the thing it's not like he's dipping in and out Mm. he is literally top tenning it most weeks yeah um he seems to be the guy that they're all talking about too. You saw, I saw Tiger talking about him and how in '97, you know, when he won at first, he was still in diapers. Yeah, this sort of chat. So um, he is that part of that new breed that seems kind of fearless.
0: By all accounts, he's a guy who doesn't top any of the stats in particular. He doesn't drive at the furthest, isn't the greatest at anything. Well, maybe he's putting a little bit, but he's just this all rounder mm. and has a brilliant brain for it. This mm. is applicable to all
1: sports. Yeah, well, he's obviously got the mentality at the moment. Yeah. But you know, we thought Rory had this unbreakable mentality too and Sunday in Augusta can shake things up maybe. Mm. So it's, as, as all those golfers keep saying, you know, there's four days of it. Yeah. You know, it's not, t- it's not a two-day competition. So, you know, things, no matter how strong mentally you are, when you get you, you, you're four or five clear, yeah. you play a different game you can't help but play a little bit more of a defensive game and then you know, things start eking into your game. You, miss, you know, miss a short put and then other people are chasing it and, and can play with a freeness as well. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's, you know. There's still plenty of golf um, left, but I, I hope that the gap is closed a little. So two or three would be ideal.
0: Yes, two or three would be good going down the back nine. Um, this is all very impressive Hoffman's from to uh, eight, Jordan Speed. Hoffman's gone to eight. I don't know if Charlie Hoffman's the man who's going to no, be this charge no. somewhere. I think we're re- relying <laughs> on somebody else. Um, speaking of getting defensive and not to uh, go for too much of a segue here and hanging on at the end, it's very much what Leinster seemed to do against Bath. It wasn't the most convincing of, I was going to say finishes, but second halves, really. Yeah,
1: last, last 20, last 15, where they got to, they get eight points up? And yeah. they just tried to hang on to close it out, you know, or nine points I think it was at one point because yeah, because they yeah. yeah yeah so, um yeah, just trying to close it out is not the way to finish off a game. You've got. and it's so hard when you're when you're in that moment yeah. yourselves and you just your 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 clock. Uh, watching and you kind of go oh, 15 minutes okay and you start working out okay we're two scores up so they'll need to score a try every seven and a half it's, these yeah. things start racing your head rather than just playing each moment and trying to play it as positively as possible and i thought we got a bit defensive with them um, with box kicking you know on on their 40 mm. with no chase it seemed as though guys yeah. were doing different ready, things ready, whatever ready whatever about that up. if that's the play that's fine but there was no chase and it's, it can be an okay play. It's a play that Ireland do and have yeah. had some success. It's grand if you're going to do it and do it really well. Mm. But you have to do it well if you're going to box kick on forty. Especially it's Watson that you're kicking it in there, who may just come yeah. back at you. you know? And like defensively, you've got to you've got to defend him in threes. And I saw Reds are at one stage. He obviously box kicked badly, and then he panicked himself and chased it, and then missed the tackle. Right. So um, you have to defend in twos and threes yeah. against someone with feet like that um, and he he's better he's definitely better at 15 Watson I watched a bit of him during the Six Nations I thought defensively he looked a little bit weak uh, on the wing made some bad decisions but God, going forward he is
0: wicked yeah Dennis Hickey, I'm sure I was watching you're very welcome to studio thanks very much did you read Ronald Driscoll's book
2: Did I read it? Um, Of course I read it. it. (laughs) Of course I I bought it. Um, I've read large chunks of it. Yeah. Okay. Because
0: you have one of the best lines in the book. Right. Okay which is after the uh, late, late show, Sexiest Man, which oh. I'm sure you love talking about, the, uh, the infamous phone call from oh. Dennis Hickey. Well and the qu- it was in the book because I didn't remember it. But hey, we didn't research this before the show. The question down the phone line to Brian was, how did this happen? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no,
2: actually, it wasn't even just talking about that, like just in general, how has the world come to this? <laughs> so it wasn't even just that award. Like yes. how, how, how are we, in, as a nation, how are we in this position?
0: We evolved to this point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, did you? I'm sure you were struck by Leinster hanging on as opposed to closing out that game very convincingly.
2: Well, I, I, you know, as to what Brian was saying, I think it was a bit like if an analogy, maybe like you know, a cyclist in you know on a stage tour who was in control. And I thought Leinster we were in control for large parts of the game, um, but maybe they just went a little early and they were defending that. You know, if they maybe maybe kept playing as Brian said for longer and then put themselves in a position to defend the lead for a little, for a little bit shorter, they just seemed to be defending a lead for a long time. Yeah. And Bath then were chasing the game. And Bath were, you know, are as dangerous a side when attacking as as you'll probably see. Um and Leicester got away maybe from the multi phase play and they were, you know, say playing one or two phase rugby and then kicking a little bit more. So it was just kind of one of those things where they they maybe tactically they didn't gauge that bit right. But you know, a lot of it's obviously been made of, of of the fact that they could have lost the game and, and uh, bat scored tries and Leicester didn't score tries but um, you, you know I think watching the game 60 minutes into the game I was, I was saying well I really think Leicester are going to win this game mm. when I I wasn't too much worried about it and they just kind of shut up shop a little bit and then they put themselves in a the position where they could have lost a yeah. match you know
0: Something I, I was at the game and just watching in a casual, non-working capacity and something just really struck me in the second half which was when Bath got the ball and they were just brilliant to watch and really likeable they were they were really getting right up onto the game line and delaying the pass as late as possible and, and having a bit of success at times with it. And then by contrast, watching Leinster, particularly in the second half, it was very pretty. They were throwing the ball from one player to another going right across the pitch but they seemed to be about 10-15 metres that mu- really that much back from the Bath line and so I, I, I was looking forward to having you in Brian and Dennis to get your thoughts on this as well like was that deliberate is that, is that a team lacking confidence is, is that Bath dropping deep somehow I didn't understand the, the value of it to, from a Leinster point of view my read on, on the Leinster stuff was
1: obviously they've, you know when, when, you've, when you're pulling the ball back but yet you front door options as well so usually the forwards in the front line and then backs out the back you, you, there has to be a happy medium there's no point in having an option front door to sit people down and then having someone you know, 10 or 15 metres back because then the defender is able to push off the forwards and mark the, the back. The whole idea is that you know, you're relatively flat out the back mm-hmm. um, so you can beat the man or if you know, the defenders sit down, you can shift it out yeah. wide. Now, I think that Leinster gave Bath too much credit for being able to read through those plays. And that's why they were a little bit deeper. So, if in the case you might fumble a ball and someone sh- shot at you, you'd still have time to be able to ship it on. But in the end, they they just lacked penetration. Everything was very very lateral. Mm. They'd n- no one really dropping under in late switch lines when 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 defenses are stretched and you know you're you're hard pushed across the field. You've got to have late switches to check back on inside shoulders. And I didn't really see any of that. In the contrast i thought bath's phase options were excellent i think they're even better than than england in 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 what they do right. um and a few times lent they, they worked very less were very close to becoming unstuck but just because of a handling error and there were lots of handling errors on bats, uh on bath's behalf but those little intricate plays of ball behind you know first second forward by first forward to 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 forward with runner inside and then yeah. another f- forward yeah, running short and out the back, him it's they brilliant. do it absolutely magnificently. And they, um, I think they're on their own in, in, in that multi phase, um, kind of ability to play. Um, and Leinster were lucky a few times that they didn't cut them open more. Yeah. I thought they struggled, you know, not only in midfield but in general, uh, on those options.
0: Is that a confidence thing, Leinster going through plays like that, going lateral? Is that what that is, or is that more of a technical thing? Um. Probably a
1: bit of both. I think confidence—they couldn't help but have having had their confidence knocked a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's been widespread question marks as to how they're playing this year. And guys are reading the the press, and obviously Matt has gotten a little bit of stick uh, about the manner in which Leicester playing, and, and particularly in the Six Nations, one win from five, mm. and against Zebre, you know, is is not stuff of potential European champions or Pro 12 champions. Um, so I think there's probably a little bit of a confidence issue, but that's an easy fix on from a from a tactical point of view. Of you know, I'm sure this week or sorry for next week for mm. the for Toulon, they're not going to be able to kick their way to beating Toulon. They've got to score more tries, and so. You know, you just you go all out attack. Mm. If if I was Matt O'Connor, I'd be saying, listen, you know, it's kind of a freebie. No one really expects us to go over there yeah. and and pick up a win. So let's go and try and score a load of tries. Do you know what? If we if we lose, Lencer aren't going to lose by a cricket score. It's a semi final. They don't have. I don't. I don't think that's in their DNA. Mm. But you know, they have. Can they beat Toulon? Yeah, I think they can.
2: But a lot has to go right. Yeah, a lot. Well, yeah. Like, if if you look at the way Toulon play and the results, you know they haven't been entirely fallible, uh, even at home this year. But inevitably, in in the Europe in the European matches, you know they do score three tries in most games. Like mm. two tries for them is a, you know they haven't played that well. Um, so if you're going to beat them, you're going to have to, you know, you're 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 not going to get so many penalty kicks in France, yeah. whereby you can rely on the via Madigan. So you're going to have to score. Two, three tries probably to to be in the game, yeah. Um, which which Leinster
0: we haven't really done in what feels like quite a long time now.
2: Well, yeah, that's you know that's uh, that's probably a matter of fact now. You know they yeah. haven't scored huge amounts of tries this year, uh, so the pressure then is is can if you are not doing it week in week out, can you turn up in the biggest match of the, the year and do it? Yeah. Now, one thing I think, and we happen to be speaking about this during the week, one thing that Leinster do have, and all the teams in the quarterfinal have. Is huge amounts of experience. Like, there's no side there that doesn't have huge experience. Claremont, Toulon, uh, Leinster, and Saracens. And Saracens' experience, you know, they're, they're they've got on the on the journey of losing finals and losing semi-finals and all these all this kind of rite of passage you need to have to take you to this eventual win. That that monster went through for years, and then Leinster went through for years, and mm. Claremont, and you know, and Toulon have some so much experience in the side that that's just part of what they what they all bring. So. You know, Leinster can call on that reservoir of, of, of both experience collectively and as as a team as an organisation, Leinster, with their track record, but also individually, guys who've who've dug games out of um, the fire at international level. Mm -hmm. You know, at finals, in semi-finals, and it's no like it's no. It's no, uh, coincidence that those four sides are in the semi final. I think, you know, a side like Bath, for all their attacking prowess, for all the invention they have, they just didn't have the experience to unpick Leinster, who, you know, you could say, well, maybe Leinster were there for the picking, but they just didn't have, they, they, they looked really good in attack, but when they didn't have the ball, they just didn't look like a team that was capable of strangling out a semi-final, and that's that's what Leinster will bring into that match next weekend, and that's yeah. why, as Brian says, you know it'll be a close game, probably no matter what. Just on that, just, sorry, you, just
1: on on the Leinster thing, I think they can learn something from last year as well, and the, I think we, you know, as a team, we were cut off guard by the line speed that Toulon um, put on us. We probably tried to play a little bit too much off the top. I would imagine that Leinster will. Dummy off the top ball and play a little bit more drive and try and suck the defenders in, um, just because tactically I think they Toulon had the superiority of 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 the the quarterfinal last year and you know you have to learn from that mm. um, and watch their line speed this year it's been. It's been good, probably not as much as, as that quarter-final, but that was obviously something they really targeted, yeah. stopping first-phase ball. So now you've got to change the picture slightly and have a few intricate plays where, you know, a down-and-give-off line-outs or a little peel play, suck the defence in and then go after them rather
3: than just straight off the top. Uh, Matt O'Connor said after the game, uh, I wouldn't be too worried about the performance. It It was about the result. You know, and... That's okay, you hear managers saying that all the time, but for a manager who kind of hasn't had Leinster purring you know, for the last two years and he's come in for criticism, is a strange one to come out with.
1: Listen, you know, he's he's probably being a bit defensive in that people he wants people off off his back. And they are in a semi-final, let's call a spade a spade. They're in yeah. a semi-final and you've, you know, when you get down to the last four, you've got to be an alright team. Um, and I just feel that Le- Leinster will, even though they mightn't have purred this season, they'll be the eternal optim- optimist and feel as though the semi final is their moment. Is like they you put everything the, right, yeah. Where they'll where it'll click, yeah. and, and you t- you t- have t- to t- be t- glass. On. You've got to be glass half full. You know, particularly when you're playing the likes of Toulon, two time champions, and going mm. for three in a row. Yeah. You've got to think, do you know what? If we really
2: hit it, they'll struggle with us, and we've got the players to do that. I think though. Uh, that might have been a soundbite but maybe actually at that point in the season it was about the, about the win because if you know, they, had, to they, didn't well. added, they didn't go had well they didn't go well
3: for two years well I'm first year he won the league the first year he won the league like, so he only played know. well against Northampton. you know the Leinster way under Josh Schmidt you know really good performances only really you
2: don't win it you don't win your domestic league and play once well once in one game you know you have to play well throughout the season to win the league and that's what they did the last year so I, I wouldn't agree with that but I would say Last weekend they hadn't had a good run during the Six Nations, and their match back was that if they lost that game their season their season was in real trouble. Like they would it would have been uh, you could say I wouldn't say it'd be a disaster, but it, you know all of a sudden people be looking where they were in the league. They're out of Europe. You know, they got themselves in a position, they came back to the six nations, they didn't win. At least that win now, they're they're on the road, they're in the semi final, they have their players back. So it was I think it was you know, maybe it was a soundbite, but there was probably a little bit more to it than that.
1: I think this new format is probably gonna hurt the, the provinces as well, of two weeks after yeah. Six Nations and then semi-final, two weeks following that, the the, the, the three weeks before, you know prior to that definitely helped, gave you a rest week, to get, gave you an opportunity to play together and then play your quarter final. And now you know the Leinster team's announced there's a couple of uh, frontline guys not playing. You know, I don't think Robert Carney's playing, so like that's yeah. just one Leinster game that he'll have played since Wasps in January. So you know it's difficult to get that cohesion as well. And that this, mm-hmm. that is the new format. We have got to deal with it but um, it's not made it any easier.
0: Is Gopperth, Madigan, Tio the best way to approach the long game? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because I he's almost certainly going to go with that.
1: Yeah, he is. I, listen, I, I'm a fan of... I like Mads at 12. Um, I'm a fan of Tio. I think he's very good in attack. I think he's got a little bit to, to go in defence. Um, and probably Ian Madigan has, still is learning at, at, at 12 defensively. So those okay. two together... Um, I think Teal would have learned a huge amount and gotten an awful lot of relief from someone like Gordon Darcy at twelve. He's the best defender, uh, you know, I've ever played with. And so, okay. reading things at twelve just depends on you know, your, is it, are you going to win on on um, on your defense? It'll be important, but you know, you got to think attack orientated. So, I don't know. Maybe you you put a Luke Fitzgerald in thirteen or. I don't know if he's going to go with that three. So we're we're debating something that's really, you know, set in stone unless there's an injury this weekend.
0: Yeah. Nobody I listen to agrees with the Goppert, Madigan, T.O. lineup. I never hear anyone say, no, that's definitely the way we should be going. I never hear anyone say it, except Matt O'Connor.
2: Well, you know he's the guy, he's the only guy that matters, really, you know.
0: I know, but isn't it isn't it odd that he's the only one that seems to go with that combination? Well, the only I don't. Know, he'll probably see it's odd that no one sees
2: that that is a great combination. He's like this is a, this is the combination. I'm seeing these guys every week. I'm playing, with you know, sure, they're, I'm, their, I'm their boss. Yeah, you know, you you tune in on a Saturday afternoon, or a Saturday, I see them every single day, and this is the combination that I think is the one. Yeah. That, that is the way forward. So there's <laughs> there's two very clear ways to look at it. Um, there's been a lot of chopping and changing in the midfield for Leicester this year, mm, um, of course, inevitably, inevitably yeah. injuries. Um, guys come back from injuries, and you know Luke obviously played there for a while and and did well, and then Gordon was uh, Gordon's been there, and then Ian Madigan was at 15, and Then he was at 12, and and again it's because Leicester really struggled to get there. What to, to determine what their uh, backline is, and as a result, you're in a situation where if people are saying that about that combination, it's because they haven't really seen it a huge amount and they haven't seen it click a huge yeah. amount as a result. So it's only played, that combination has only played a handful of games maybe, you know, mm-hmm. um, because obviously Benteo was then injured. and So, you know, you can obviously say why, you can obviously say, well, you know, that's that's maybe not there. People say, well, that's not the, that's not his best um, background. But I would struggle f- to hear anyone I would I th- I think I would challenge anyone to say here's the best backline combination and for everyone to agree on that either and be able to back that up Well would you two agree what the best
0: 10, 12, 13 would be? I'm not sure, actually.
2: Mm. I don't know enough
0: about Ben. I, I,
1: and I, really know really. I don't know, like, why I don't know enough about why Gordon Darcy's on the bench at the moment. So has he not been performing at training? Because training training is important. Yeah. you've got to be able to convince your coach. I need to be picked at the weekend by training well during the week. So I don't know. Is he not? Is he not training as well as he did in previous years? Or you know, is he carrying a knock? I, I don't really know. But because as as of
0: yet, as he hasn't been offered a new contract. Okay, as
1: well. but I think I think from a ten point of view, I, I still think that Jimmy is. A better option at at ten at the moment. Ian Madigan's done a great job for Ireland. Any time he's come on at ten, uh-huh. as a closer or as to add a spark, I just don't know over the full eighty minutes, um, week in week out, um, whether it's his best position. And that's why, yes, you are one hundred percent have him in the team. But I still stand by thinking he's you know he's a better twelve, and
0: his goal kicking is has kept Leinster alive yeah. throughout the whole competition. Will you- Sorry. Eason Osewa is coming back. Uh, that'll be confirmed this week. Um, I heard Ian... Well, first of all, on Osewa coming back, it's it's kind of strange that he's coming back having not played rugby for two years. It's just an odd situation. At 32, at his peak, seemingly, he just went off and took a self-imposed sabbatical from the game. You're in contact with him. Is that basically yeah, it? I, listen, I think
1: there was probably you know, family matters there too. That okay. his wife... Um, Simone wanted to go back he's three young girls, so missing family they, they you know his grandparents had barely seen the kids so yeah's there's, a, there's a lot of that yeah. too you know um, i I think you know obviously he was involved with the blues and he was doing a bit of commentary over there and I can understand from you know as a thirty year old to retire and feeling as though you have potentially more good years in you you know i I retired at thirty five and i i I miss it yeah so, but I know that I just leave it, leave it go, let yeah. it go. Whereas he still feels as he good years and physically he's in good shape. So I can understand why he'd come back. But I do think he's coming back into a, quite a different setup than he left. Um, lot of different people. There's a new breed come through, and I'm not saying there's going to be a disconnect with him and them, but it'll it's it's not like the age profile
0: that he left two years ago. Yeah, the, the kids on Twitter and. Social media. He's not that type, really. Not really. No.
1: Not really. But you know, um, Snapchat he- is the problem. probably <laughs> probably based the decision on that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably Fair no. point. Probably didn't fit in the mix. <laughs>
2: did you? Did
0: you miss it to the point of considering ever coming back?
2: Uh, no, I don't think I did. Actually, to be honest, okay. and I was out of the game very quickly, and I think that played a big part of it. Uh, I was speaking to to a player recently who'd um, who'd retired, and you know, I would be. I had to retire early and, uh, I was, ju- I, you know, I'd be of the mind if you're retiring early for any reason, be it injury or, or, um, you're just decided you're not going to play. You either stay in the game and, you know, you decide I'm going to make a career in the game as yeah. a coach and you go into it or you get out of Dodge. You know, I wouldn't, you know, there'd be nothing worse. I could think of nothing worse as a guy who had to retire early or, or, um, retire on their on their own terms, but but uh, early for the for the different reason, and then you know three months later, seeing the guys go off to preseason training, so I didn't put myself in that position. I think that made it a lot easier. Yeah. Right,
0: you can 100% committed to a life away from rugby. Yeah,
2: exactly. And at that stage, then it was kind of yeah, maybe I suppose I could have done, I could have tried what Lisa Nasai was trying to do. You know, come back at 32 or whatever. Yeah. But at that point,
0: I was happy enough with the nice. decision. Heineken would have been nice. Tempting. Ah, Yeah, sure.
2: (laughs) I didn't miss much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Perfect time to... to (laughs) to (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Ian Madigan was saying that Nase was a brilliant mentor to him, would sit down and go through video footage and would guide him along and give him a, a guiding arm right the way through his career. Is that something that was going on when you guys arrived on the scene in such a... not official capacity, but it seemed like a very regimented thing that I can say was really on a weekly basis almost kind definitely of not was no it, was it there in the late 80s
2: no there was it wasn't it, like it wasn't like that really at all right um, because when I, when I was initially in the squad it was uh, just tr- making the transition and even even when you were in the squad initially it was half and half half I, professional I, half I think, so no, I think mentoring was different it was yeah. someone you know Put an arm around you and say, "I look out, look out for you." Be or, it on
1: the training pitch or yeah. um, on you know matches, making sure they had your back in case there was any trouble, mm-hmm. or looking out for you on yeah. the night yeah. the night after the game, mm-hmm. or um, just when you come into it, that environment as a twenty-year-old, it's frightening. You know, all these grown men that you watched on the TV for years, and all of a sudden you're one of their teammates. And just to be made feel part of it, I think that 's what mm. mentoring was. I think there 's more of a coaching aspect now to senior guys um talking younger guys through plays because of the 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 advent of of uh, analysis coming yeah. in and becoming so
2: relevant to yeah. it's everyday talk do you think as well as the the academy system that 's now there, so you know, fifteen years ago or whatever you would come straight into the squad and there'd be only one squad and then that'd be it. So you would be, you know, at 19 or 18 and you're in the squad. You're trained Now, it's much more phased. So you've yeah. got academy guys and they're around the system and they know the team, and they have the same coaches and you're in the same building, same gym. So I think it's a bit more gradual and yeah. that probably helps a lot. But I think that the mentoring and the the development of, of players is probably, well, I don't think there's any doubt. It's, it's, it's going to be much more thorough and much more systematic as part of, you know, as part of the organisation than it would have been even 10 years ago. I think it's a little bit of the the player coaching, you
1: know, guys that have been there and done it and and mm. you know, being in the position of these younger guys coming through mm. and just not not preaching at them, but telling them, uh, giving them options of what, you know, looking through video footage and saying, okay, what are you seeing? What picture are you seeing there? And what would you do differently? And just because they've been in that yeah. uh, that situation on multiple occasions. So kind of guiding them through rather than, than than talking
0: at them. Bit of a shock for you boys just chucked in. Off you go. Yeah, but the pressure as
2: well would have been far less. Because far less games, you know, you wouldn't be you would have been playing a handful of games at the start. Far less expectation. Yeah, far less expectation really? as well. So you know the standard wasn't like the when I was first playing with Leinster the club's game was still bigger. So of course. that's really where that's really kind of more where the you, if you were going to mentoring you would have got at your club. You would have had a guy you were playing week in week out kind of you know Showing you the ropes that way, whereas yeah. Le- Leinster in those days, as you get together for a couple of sessions, you played, and then even when it went professional, when Mike Ruddock was in, half the squad, more than half the squad, weren't even professional then.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's, there's no, it's chalk and cheese, there's
2: no comparison really.
0: Yeah, and um, before we let you go, we probably want to speak to you next week. Leinster, Toulon mm. How big a chance do you give Leinster <laughs> on a scale of one to ten?
2: Well. <laughs> Like I, I give, I give, uh, Leinster, you know, pretty much a 50-50 chance. Oh, would you? Uh, yeah, I would. In, in the semi-final, uh, in the semi-final, away from though. home to Toulon. Yeah, like I, I, it's they're not far away from 50-50. I really don't think they really? are. Yeah, I, like I think Leinster have the pedigree to to win those games w- if all their players play well. They're playing against, and we haven't talked a lot about Toulon. Yeah. But, like Toulon uh, the, the for me, Toulon's strongest area is their is their physicality at the breakdown and slowing teams down like they just blew Bath away that Bath couldn't or sorry Wasps couldn't get any ball and the big thing that that, that Toulon have is that they have when they signed up all these players everyone was thinking um, journeyman yes. picking up a, ca- a cheque but they've become sort of like a, a world class barbarian side that they turn up and they actually want to show each other how good they are in this class. so they all play Excellently all the time. The standard is incredible there. You know. I think with Toulon, you get the impression that they can kick it into the next gear
1: if they have to. Mm. They looked like they were coasting along against Wasps, and when they were under a small bit of pressure, Mm. you just felt as though, "I will, Mm. we'll just score a try now, Mm. just to make it a little bit easier."
2: They've been beaten. like they're they're beaten domestically. You know? I
1: think they're not as good a team as the last two years. I don't know if I'd go fifty fifty. I think they're comfortable yeah, favorites. 60-40 or whatever. But, um, but at the same time, it's not undoable. I agree. But uh, you know, as really said, a lot when you're yeah, playing at home go, right. in,
2: in Europe. Yeah, and you're like you're always going to be favorites. Yeah, and they have been the strongest team in the competition, and they're the champions so of course are the course are favorites. Yeah. But I don't. That doesn't mean forty nine fifty would no chance. I just don't think. <laughs> Boy, I just <laughs> don't. I think Leicester. Spencer <laughs> will always have a chance if they play if, if you look at the team if they play as well as they individually and collectively
0: as they should be playing yeah. you know
2: they'll be, they'll be close
0: uh, Brian is staying with us we've had loads of text we're going to put to him we're also going to go to Bob Bubka over in Augusta our thanks to Dennis Hickey for being with us no problem back in a second
2: Off the ball with thanks to Ford with the
0: arrival of the brand new 151 Ford range a transfer is definitely on the cards Ford go further our thanks again to Dennis Hickey, who's just uh, vacated the studio. Colin Parkinson and Brian O'Driscoll are still here, and there's loads of text messages um, coming in for you on the rugby. Can you ask Brian and Dennis? Do they consider Ooh, Jimmy Gopper? There's a speed bump to attacking rugby, Christmas guys. Speed bump? Um, no, because I think you can. See, I've seen really good parts
1: of Jimmy's game—an unbelievable first half over in Harlequins in December. And then he sat back in the pocket a lot more. So I think he can be very effective. So you just need an 80
0: minutes from him, particularly against Salon. Mm. Um, was Brian devastated not to get a call from Rory to caddy for the par three? Who the hell is Niall Horne anyway? Absolutely, Absolutely sick. That's tough. You bonded with him. You've yeah. seen him several times. He only met Niall Horne in Australia once.
2: Yeah, It's fine. There's
3: always next year. You need a few more million Twitter followers, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that um, was a very cynical move. It was a cynical move. Did you yeah? Come on. Come on. If he... you were a mate of Rory McIlroy's, what would you be thinking? Or his dad, or his f- someone, a
0: family member, or Brian O'Driscoll. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I just um,
1: yeah. yeah. I don't know, maybe they're ba- great pals. They really they bonded seem, that
0: they time in to be nice That 10-minute yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah, great pals that remember this forever. Um, you haven't been to Augusta? No, never um, would love to
1: I, yeah i don't know if I've never loved watching live golf. I would imagine I'd probably make an exception for Augusta
0: for mm. the masters, but um, by all accounts, it's a much nicer experience than a lot of the tournaments like i've been over to quite a few British opens, and the crowds are ten deep. you can 't see very much and it 's very hard to move, but they don 't overcrowd Augusta. Yeah. They only let a certain number on the course each day, so apparently it's a better view. patrons patrons
3: but it's not day, a good yeah. spectator sport though is it you it's don't not. know whether to it's follow, a, really follow one
0: group or stay at one hole it's much it's better on TV awful like the, 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 when I go to cover them I either sit in the media centre and watch it on television or I go to the driving range and you can see you see more shots in 10 minutes of the driving range than you would trying to walk around for the four days Yeah, you need to meet like Michael Jordan and have inside, inside the house. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah inside the ropes is the only way to do it uh, I don't understand how a team who missed so many tackles won't play Gordon Darcy. It's a team that's already lost brilliant defenders in Sexton, Brian, Shane, Oregon, Moore. I've never seen a team miss as many tackles as last week. Surely it has to be addressed, as Peter. Just before you answer that, I actually have
3: stats here from the brief I did on Wednesday night. 26 missed miss tackles against Bath. 26 and against Glasgow the week before, 30. I think what I saw stats. stat, uh, I was
1: doing the game um, at BT and I saw a stat that at half-time... They'd missed 50, something like 50% of the tackles. <laughs> like teams are looking at, at missing
0: less than 10%. But isn't Matt O'Connor, wasn't one of his, the great strengths of his resume his defensive coaching yeah. and his defensive abilities? So I don't, I don't t-
1: the thing is, there's a difference between tackles being missed and system errors. You went your defensive system. I think the lads are falling off a lot of tackles. So there's, a, a, there's, okay. a, there's personal responsibility. There that was certainly the case against, against Glasgow the week before. But there still seem to be a lot of missed one-on-one tackles. Not a case of oh, he wasn't my man; he was your man. Okay, that's a different story. That's the player's that, fault. That's yeah, the that, the the system. Um, you know, uncertainty of the system. You know, lies maybe with the management. The the missed tackles lies with the player. Mm. If you if if he's there to be hit, you, you've you've got to tackle him and put him down. And that guy's bouncing yeah. off, or you know, not finishing tackles. So there's been a yeah. fair bit of that in the last few it's strange weeks.
0: Strange in a European Cup quarter final. Yeah like a better a better you
1: know a better team Bath kind of looked as though they just were happy enough being in the quarter final and then only at the death did they think oh we could actually get to our, get ourselves to a semi they had seen this as a freebie too their their focus is definitely uh, home semi final in the premiership and listen they lost the first two group stage matches mm-hmm. and and won the last four and then oh my god we're, we've got a, a winnable game in dublin and um if they had Played a bit better if they'd a few more George forwards out there, Leinster. It could have been a different story for Leinster. Yeah,
0: was it a system failure? As a matter of interest, that Devon Toner and Keane, were beside each other for the. No, that'll happen a lot. That just happens through the phases.
1: But they have to understand who they're defending with, and you have to look. That's we talk about defending in threes. So if you're the middle of the three, you look either side. If I know I'm defending with a front row forward or a front five forward on one side or both sides, I got to play tighter. I okay. can't give because George Ford was, will spot that. He, he's one of, he's a Johnny Sexton in that he's playing heads up and he sees who's there and he sees their eye line. He would have seen Devin Toner's eye line of looking out mm-hmm. and then looked up and, so, and, and seen Kean Healy and thought, I'll have, I'll have a
0: go at this. In George Ford, does Johnny Sexton have a real huge rival? And I know it's a long way away for the next Lions number 10 shirt. Not at the moment, no. but potentially. I think George Ford,
1: he needs to sort out um, his place kicking. I'm, I'm unconvinced. As of yet, under massive pressure, whether You've got that's as pen. good, yeah, you don't. No, no, no. I'm, not, I'm just thinking from a ju- yeah, just from a player building point of view. Oh, for him, yeah, personally. For him personally, him yeah. personally. I'm getting um, a bit too much into the line yeah. selection. <laughs> <You've> got <laughs> how many? <15? laughs> um, you beat me it. <laughs> but um, I think from a talent point of view, yeah, he's he's very good. But Johnny's a much better. Uh, much more physical player, so that he's got that's a big attribute of his. Mm. If he can
0: stop tackling people with his head, why is why is um, why is the Johnny Sexton uh, loop much better than all the other loops? Um, because I'm not, Im-, Johnny, I'm, not, I'm not imagining this. No,
1: it's no. You're right. It's it's a good question. So
0: the so the uh, the
1: old Leinster play it was called a Brumbies, which is ten to twelve, and then ten looping around either the twelve hits the thirteen short on a hard line or pulls out the back to ten. Coming around. Now, the thing that Johnny did better than everyone else was he became a real option himself, where he squared up around the corner, and so made the thirteen who, if he was a good defender, played off, and made him square his shoulders up. And as soon as Johnny sees that thirteen square his shoulders into him, he releases the ball. If that thirteen continues to have his shoulders playing out towards the rest of the back line, Johnny has a go okay. through that gap. So he sees and then that. He sees that. Okay. So it, the really important thing is rather than just going through the play for for the sake of it, you've got to understand what you're doing in it. And that's why he's so good at
0: it. So it doesn't sound like that complicated a skill for no, most no, it's not. guys to see. But mm. he just sees it better, reacts better. Yeah. Right. Just okay. He has he has a fraction of a second
1: quicker thought process than than most guys.
0: Yeah. Um, bum, 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 Text in. Strange one. Does Brian remember the Claw setting himself on fire in 2002? That came up this week. Uh, no. Yeah. it was it Where? Was, it was in his back garden. <laughs> no. He's oh, an aerosol can. Yeah, I do yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You Apparently you don't in. throw them into fires. <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah. Um. What does Brian think of Sam Burgess has been moving into forwards tonight? Sounds to me like Bath having a clue what to do with him. Says I Jared, think he's go. a six.
1: I think he's going to be a six. He's not a 12 for me. And it's going to take longer for him to learn six. Uh, because he struggles at rook time but I I just feel that they're not going to get
0: good value for him at 12 yeah on the mentors uh, I was in Kitties in Paris the night Barnarders could beat the French Claw and Galway took him home when he had enough hashtag mentors if I remember correctly from your book you then went back out and puked up on right up in the beneath the Eiffel Tower with, I think, was it Henderson? Hendo, yeah. On the Champs-Élysées. You just went, you, you snuck back out yeah. yep. after they took you home. I you went home good, with, yeah. with uh, Golov and his wife
1: Joan. and They put you to bed, they thought. They, well, yeah, we all uh, ent- entered the hotel together. I had a quick look around in the members bar and Hendo was there and he said, right, you and me, we're out. Yeah. And uh, we tried to go to VIP club in the Champs-Élysées and they told us to piss off. And then we ended up in some omelette and wine restaurant um, and yeah, it was, it was the bad
0: wine that did it. made me chug. <laughs> That's a mentor yeah. right there. I would have blamed yeah. the omelette. The <laughs> oh, wine thanks, was yes. fine. <laughs> yeah. um, listen, thanks for coming in. Uh, go home and enjoy the Masters, I guess, like the rest of us for the weekend. Yes. I think we'll talk to you next week in advance of the too long game. Yep. Yeah. Okay, lovely stuff. Brandon Diskell, thanks very much for being in. Um, Colin Parkinson and myself staying here with Mick for the crappy quiz next. Off the ball with thanks to Ford This season calls for a change Off the pitch and on the road For a quality 151 offer You know where to turn Ford, go
1: further